Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. The following interview was conducted with Tim Kelly of the YouTube channel Our Interesting Times on October 30th, 2018. In the interview, we discuss my documentary, The Smiley Face Killers, and many of the cases that I included in the documentary. There was a very significant update in these cases pertaining to the disappearance and water death of Dakota James from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. There was a press conference conference on December 13th, 2018, that included Jeff Gannon, the author of Case Studies in Forensic Drowning, the book that covered many of the early cases in what has become known as the Smiley Face Killings. The press conference also included noted forensic pathologist Cyril Wecht, who had found on the body of Dakota James ligature marks that the original state examiner did not report. So it was a very important press conference from December 13th. You can see the link to the press conference on any of my social media accounts, Twitter, OneWay, Minds, or MeWe. So please go to the YouTube channel, Our Interesting Times, subscribe. It has some of the best long-form interviews anywhere on the Internet. Thank you for listening. If you want a vision of the future, Winston, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Someone is trying to teach me a lesson in futility. Why am I the only one who isn't killed? They will run you dizzy. They will pile falsehood on top of falsehood until you can't tell a lie from the truth and you won't even want to. That's how the powerful keep their power. Don't you read the papers? I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, sir, you. Plastics. I'm going to get your money for you. But if you don't get the President of the United States on that phone, you know what's going to happen to you? What? You're going to have to answer to the Coca-Cola company. The world is a college of corporations inexorably determined by the immutable bylaws of business. The world is a business, Mr. Beale. It has been since man crawled out of the slime. Welcome to another episode of Our Interesting Times. It is my pleasure to have William Ramsey back on the show. William is a, uh, an author, the author of Children of the Beast, Aleister Crowley's Shadow Over Humanity, Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9-11 and the New World Order, 
an abomination, devil worship and deception in the West Memphis Three murders. He's also the proprietor of Occult Investigations, a website dedicated to covering the role of the occult in the intrigues of the deep state and a host of and he is the host of the weekly program, William Ramsey Investigates. William, how are you doing this evening? Doing great. Thanks for having me back on your show, Tim. It's great to be here. Well, thank you for coming back. Um, so, well, tonight I invited you back on to talk about this documentary you produced recently, uh, The Smiley Face Killers, who is abducting, yes. torturing, and murdering young men in the U.S. and the U.K. So the Smiley Face uh, murder murderer's theory i guess you could say because you think it's multiple but anyway um yes. this is going on for the better part of 20 years so uh what is this case well it goes back to uh there were three kind of investigators it was uh gannon and duarte two retired now retired police policemen from new york and a professor by the name of gilbertson who noticed a pattern of young men disappearing later to be found dead in water all over the united states so they gave the title to this phenomenon, the smiley face killers, because in some of the cases, they found a spray-painted smiley face near where they think the body went into the water, not exactly where the body was found. So they wrote a book called Case Studies in Drowning Forensics, which covered about 15 of these cases. And the really the, the kind of uh, victim zero or the first person was a guy out of New York who was discovered in a waterworks facility. And... That was happened in probably 19, 1997, and uh, his name was Patrick McNeil. And that was really how they got started in noticing that some of these young men would be out at bars and disappear. Patrick McNeil was a student at Fordham University in New York and uh, disappeared. And that was really it. So they noticed this pattern. And how I got interested in studying this is when I was researching my book, Children of the Beast. I kept seeing these these people with the smiley face. So I saw like Alan Moore uses the smiley face in the Watchmen uh, comic book series and the movie as well. The comedian has a smiley face. So I I was like seeing these things pop up also in clothes. I'd see them popped up in Pizzagate. There were actually people on Instagram who were associated with the Instagram account of James Alephantis who had these smiley face insignia. So I was really trying to get to the root of what that was. And, 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 and I remembered these smiley face killings. So I really wanted to see if this was a real phenomenon for me, why well, I hadn't really studied it. And when I began studying it probably a couple of years ago, I really, the first case that I came across was a man, young man out of uh, Columbus, Ohio. His name was Joey LeBute. And that was in early 2016. And, um, you know, I followed his, he disappeared I'd been researching, my chief researcher in my film was another researcher by the name of Jim Smith, and he and I were like, well, he appeared if he gets found in water, and sure enough, in 18 days, um, he was found in the Scioto River outside of Columbus. And that was really where I, I was in shock, because I watched the disappearance and then the finding of the body in a very shallow, kind of off part of the river. So that was really where I, I dug my heels in and really started researching. I got case studies in drowning forensics, read that and followed some of these other cases. There was Footprints by the River's Edge, which uh, was another uh, website with a lot of the cases. So there are other people definitely studying this. Christy Peel was one of the first researchers. She was on Coast to Coast in 2010 talking about the cases. She's kind of moved on. But, uh, you know, I came across Jim Smith. But I also started interviewing people who had followed these cases worldwide in different parts of the country. 
there was one woman, uh, her name was Elise Soper. She was out of Boston who wrote about suspicious drownings on her uh, blog called Cryptid Antiquarian. And her blog, blog spiked people. Like she had 22,000 responses to the post. Like something's going on. So she was somebody I interviewed. I also inter interviewed a guy by the name of Gary Jay who's making a documentary on the subject. The phenomenon in Manchester, which is in northwestern UK, is known as the pusher, where these young men are found. And so Gary Jay and I kind of get contact. And that's really how I expanded my understanding of these cases to a phenomenon that wasn't just in the U.S., but also the U.K. and worldwide. So uh, you, you cited the book Case Studies. And, and Drowning Forensics. So that sounds sort of like a, um, a dispassionate scientific study. <laughs> I would say so. You know, they did a very good job. It was very scholarly. Um, all the cases were looked at. They had very many, uh, a lot of forensic studies on the bodies and the contents of their blood. There was a marked uh, preponderance of GHB, gamma, hydroxybutyrate. It's actually endogenous to the human body. But in a lot of these cases, GHB was also is associated with as a date rape drug, kind of like rohypnol, uh, was associated with a lot of these cases. And in some of these cases, there's a there's a consistent kind of blacking out process of people forgetting things, or somebody's been drugged. The, the survivors have had that experience. So um, some of the people who uh, McNeil, for example, what looked like people who saw him before he disappeared said that he was you know, incapacitated and, and throwing up. So um, they noticed this kind of thing in the case studies and drowning forensics, this fact that GHB uh, seems to be associated with a lot of these cases. It, uh, what profile do the victims fit in this? That's another good I mean, that's a good question. They're all young men, so they're all college age, which is why I use that title. For some reason, this seems to be the victim pool. And I think there's a variety of reasons that this phenomenon you know, has this. And, you know, there are some outliers, they're younger, but some older, but mostly I would place them within college age, 18 to 25. But I think that's for a variety of reasons. They're outside of their, their home, you know, they're at college. And I think that they're all fit a kind of ideal uh, victim. You know, they're all almost all in good shape, healthy, athletic, intelligent uh, men. So I think that the you know, they're basically in a kind of pr uh, prey cl class, and I believe the predators are intentionally seeking out that type of victim. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it, what's uh, now with, with uh, Gannon Duarte, have, have they posited a theory on exactly who is behind this? Or? Well, I don't think they've come with a specific statement, although they, I, they were just recently interviewed by another website, so they're still around. I had trouble getting in contact with Gannon, but I don't think they said anything specific. They never found a perpetrator. And I think, you know, I was, I mean, looking back and all that, my conclusions, you know, were that these men are abducted, which was part of their statement within case studies of drowning forensics. But I don't think they specified that these crimes are of a sexual nature that I really specified. So I think they had a kind of a different view. But I did agree. My, my investigation corroborated their uh, connection between the symbol of the smiley face and some of these cases, not all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the, what, what's, what are the patterns or similarities that would lead someone to believe that uh, perhaps this, the, these crimes are connected if need, uh, you know, either by uh, a, a series of groups that are following some sort of, I don't know, 
weird, you know, almost like a ritualistic killing. Right. But, well, that's that's a good point. I mean, the people have looked in the times and dates. There does seem to be patterns of higher activity, New Year's days, Halloween, um, the winter kind of months. Uh, I do think that they're uh, correlated with when uh, people are in school. So those years, you know, the summers aren't as uh, active. But um, I think that the pattern, if you look at all the cases that I included in my documentary, that's about 50 people who men who disappeared, weren't found, and then found later in water. And I go through a variety of cases where I show that these people are being searched for very thoroughly in rivers and in areas where they were, you know, uh, last seen. And then their body, I mean, I covered Dakota James out of Pittsburgh, missing 40 days. The area was searched prior to where his body was found on a Monday morning. And the, the police flat outs, and I clue that in my documentary, I showed that they're looking in that same area. And his body was found in a very open part of the river. So where was his body? You know, and other people that I covered, Joey Labute's another example, somebody I talked about earlier. Um, you know, so there's all these, one of these Shane Montgomery outside of Pittsburgh was found in four feet of water that had been checked by skilled, trained, you know, research divers in a very kind of semi-shallow part of the river in Maniac. So where are these people? And I think that that's the pattern that's indicated. And, and you, that pattern of the police being confused as to why they were found in places previously searched happens often, you know. So there's probably 20 cases that I cover where, you know, they've dredged the water, whether it's in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, all these other places, Brad Barrett. There's tons of names like that that just go on and on. It's why aren't these people found? And that's actually was a, an element of one of the case studies in, in drowning forensics. A lot of those cases, people have been... You know, even even the original researchers found that there were individuals where they, you know, that show up after where they should have been been found. So I think that that's evidence of, you know, uh, you know, something that something suspicious is happening. Now, one thing I gathered from from uh, from the um, documentary is that in many cases, these body the bodies of these victims um are found weeks, maybe more than a month after they've gone reported missing. And, and, of course, if we were to believe that they simply stumbled into the lake somewhere cause they were, and they were inebriated, so they died, um, uh, the state of, dis of decomposition isn't consistent with that with that time. Correct. That's correct. And that's that was a consistent, that was an element of case studies in front, trying forensics, is that these guys have not, they're the, the you know, like, for example, Dakota James, uh, I have inside information that indicated that his body was in good shape. He was missing for 40 days. So why is his body uh, like that? And there's other, there were other cases studied by Gannon and Gilbertson where the body was being thawed out, that it had been under ice. Uh, I can't remember the name offhand, but that was one of the cases in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And, you know, there was another case they covered outside of Philadelphia, Tommy Booth, that I covered in my documentary where... He had only been dead for 24 hours, but he was missing for eight days. So where is he? Where is he for those six days? Mm -hmm. And his body had evidence of torture, and he was found in a very obvious place behind the bar. He disappeared, um, and like right on the shore. And they have a picture of it in case studies and drowning forensics. So I mean, he's right on the shore. So where is his body when he was? It was an interesting case because Gannon and Gilbertson 
showed that there was some kind of strange cult involvement with Tommy Booth, that he was hanging out with a strange crowd that he had told, I think, his father or his uncle that he didn't want to be around him. And then he ends up in a bar where, you know, they take a picture of the guitar player of the night he disappeared. He's wearing a T-shirt with a smiley face. So, you know, that's a very suspicious case, Tommy Booth. Um, with the uh, uh, now law enforcement, the police, the FBI, they're uh, skeptical of the theory of a, of a serial killer or serial killers. Uh, I think uh, the criminal profiler Pat Brown calls the serial killer theory ludicrous, arguing that the evidence doesn't fit what is known about serial killers. It doesn't fit the profile. And the FBI has, I think, issued a statement saying that there's really no evidence to support links between these tragic deaths. However, you do cite uh, sort of the pattern and the similarities. Um, how many victims have there been in the past 20 years? Do, do well, we I mean, the, the number that, that fit this profile, it's at least 100. So I didn't, mm-hmm. wasn't able to cover all the cases. I really just wanted to prove that these similarities are extant. But there may be two to 300 cases that fit this type of profile where somebody disappears and is found in, in water previously searched. And some, some of the FBI analyses um, don't take into account certain aspects of these crimes. The fact that they're, the bodies are found in places already searched, mm-hmm. that some of the bodies have evidence of torture, that, um, you know, that if you take the standard times of when a human body decays and floats to the surface, these, some of these, many of these cases are outliers, significant statistical outliers from standard you know, uh, times of bodies. Why are they missing for 40 days? Where's Dakota James for 40 days? Mm-hmm. And when you look at the similarities of all these cases, it's very, it was clear to me that these were not normal drownings. The, the cases that I covered were not, were they were abnormal. And I do believe people drowned. I do believe that there are accidental drownings. I do believe people trip and fall into water. But I, I don't believe after my research that these young men leave these bars and accidentally fall in water, especially when they're young and healthy. So like you have to assume that they're so drunk that they drown, but they're, they're sober enough to make it to water, you know, and there's actually factual information about some of these cases, many of them that they're being chased or followed or drugged or, you know, for Tom, there was a Kelleher case that came out of Boston. He left the, I think it was the CG arena downtown, from a Boston game, he crossed over the, I think the St. James River, ended up in Paul Revere Park, was calling an Uber. Then his his phone is pinged south again, across, south across the river, and then he's found in water in the same area where an earlier victim, Hurley, was as well. These are young men who, um, it just, and especially in a busy, crowded environment, especially people leaving an arena, there's thousands and thousands of people, why don't see people see these people drowning Right off the bat, so it's very. I mean, these the suspicions increase after you look at these cases over and over and over again. I mean, well, well some of these cases where you know, I mean, some of these bars are near water, like in Boston or in Baltimore. Sure, and these things where they're on the harbor and you have the St. James River and these things. Um, but in some cases that were cited in the documentary, is they had to tra- travel a fair distance to get to a, a rather shallow body of water and then die in it which just seems suspicious. Right. I mean, yeah, it's true. I mean, there, there are 
a number of cases of like three feet of water. There was one Anthony Urena where I show him in the documentary. He's clearly stumbling around, and he's on the upper part of Man the Manhattan uh, Island, you know, somewhere at some bar. And his body is found across the river, across the Hudson, in Hoboken, New Jersey, in three feet of water. And nobody knows how he got all the way over there. Mm-hmm. So that's another suspicious case. A drunk guy, and I actually show in the documentary, a car is traveling up a one-way street trying to, you know, it looks like they're tailing him or chasing him. And that's in the uh, in these files of, of researching the case. And no, I don't believe any police follow that up. So if pe- police believe that these are accidental drownings, the um, investigation stops right there. So and I don't think these these drownings are accidental. Have they tried any? Have they offered any explanation for the high levels of GHB? No, they haven't accounted for it. They don't. They deny that it's a uh, evidentiary element of these cases. You know, so so some of these. You know, the GHB actually it's hard to trace in the body, mm-hmm. and it gets absorbed. So you have to take these blood tests right away. And so not all the, I don't believe that all the evidence. It is interesting. If you go back to Patrick McNeil, kind of victim zero, there was an autopsy taken, but the autopsy information was not made public to the family for 10 years. And once that, that uh, the autopsy information was made public, they got a whole different take on the case because they found out that their son had been blowtorched on the upper part of his body as if he had been restrained in a chair. Now, and he had... Is that case officially accidental death? I think they might have changed it. I don't <laughs> okay. really know. Like, but, I mean, you can't say it's accidental death. Like, he would have had to have blowtorched himself. In but, but they would have known but, this 10 years ago. Correct. But the interesting thing is that involved um, Cyril Wecht. Cyril Wecht, the famous pathologist, mm, yeah. who was the one who read the autopsy report and said, hey, this is murder, at least in that one case. So that, that kind of authoritative figure... Uh, verified that something else was going on than simple drowning with Patrick McNeil. And there was the one case where the young man had uh, signs of, I guess, restraints on his legs, on his knees. Right, that was uh, Hart out of Rhode Island, yes. And there's uh, his uncle is in the uh, film, like, what's going on? And then somebody found a smiley face up above where he was found. So a lot of suspicious stuff. Now, the smiley face may just be people, you know, using it as camouflage or a distraction. But, you know, my general consensus was that I mean, my conclusion is that these types of crimes, somebody has shared them through different underground or Internet sites. And that's why there's a correlation of these cases happening with the advent of the Internet. So I do believe that either the killers or somebody in that environment, that subculture knows how to trick the police. So Um, Now, with the police, though... uh do you offer any uh, any theories on why they're resistant of, uh, of entertaining or at least following this theory, denying that there might be an organized element to this of serial killers or some sort of uh, underground group doing this? Why they would uh, the FBI? Absolutely, or... I think that it's an easy. It's easier to just write it off as an accidental drowning, and I think that they didn't. I don't think the police really researched the totality of these cases to see the similarities. So that when a case happens in their city, they don't really think, oh, this could actually be a suspicious death. They just look at it as an accident right away and move along. And uh, I did talk to an F- FBI agent, D'Souza, about these cases. And he said that there's actually a you know, very um, strong pull in these 
investigating investigative agencies and the cities to cover these cases up and make sure they're not seen as murders because it was somebody likened it to you know amity the uh <laughs> the city where jaws was hunting and killing people they don't want to scare the public yeah, they mayor, don't want to know their kids could be predated upon you know? mayor vaughn yeah you don't understand the yeah. gut reaction people have to these things uh yeah right. you, yell, so you, I, you yell barracuda everyone goes huh you yell shark you got a panic here and your hands on the fourth of july <laughs> right so uh, i yeah. do think that that parent i mean i tried to get the message out that parents the boys can be victims just like the woman like the women know not to accept a drink they're suspicious they cover their drinks but the men don't and that's kind of a common theme in these is that, you know, these men don't see the drugging or anything like that coming. And I actually had other things when I was researching the book, you know, of people who survived who had, and actually include one case out of Boston where a guy woke up underneath like a roadway. He yeah, saw that, like, yeah, like a tunnel yeah. or something. Now, yeah, yeah. there are yeah, cases that are there. Well, one thing, yeah, is that a lot of these victims, there's a high, um, high percentage, percentage of them are homosexual. Which, right, because they were, nope. I guess, because of the reckless lifestyle, they'd be much more vulnerable to you know hookups and things like this, so they can uh, find themselves Correct. in compromising positions. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's interesting you say that, Tim, because a lot of these guys have been on gay dating apps at the time mm -hmm. that they disappear. So Dakota James and uh, uh, Joey Labute were both on apps. They were both on male dating apps. So that's how they may have found or run into their killer. Is that they? came across somebody on Grinder, and there have been other criminals who have used Grinder to, you know, roll or yep. basically beat up and take people's money. It's inherently dangerous, yeah. Cause, dangerous, absolutely. Yeah. You don't know this person. You, uh, people I've talked to have said that you can spoof an account very easily on Grinder. Fake picture, fake name, all that stuff. So well, it's, you know, it's like the, um, if you remember the movie Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Right. You know, so this reckless, you know, uh, uh, seeking adventure and these things, and you end up getting, you know, and in the end, you end up getting cut up and murdered because you're just going home with strangers. Right. And it's interesting you brought up a movie because I also researched the uh, movie with Al Pacino called Cruising, mm -hmm. which was directed by William Freak in New York. And uh, Pacino played a detective who had to go into the kind of homosexual underground to uh, suss out a serial killer. And. You know, and I think that was interesting because actually during the filming of that, um, Freakin got a lot got a lot of heat. People would come out to the shooting and disrupt it because people of that community did not want an investigation into kind of uh, their subculture. And Freakin included very graphic depictions. I think for that time, it was you know extremely graphic about you know the underground with gimp masks and leather and all this stuff like that. So. Um, there, I did see a correlation between some of these cases. Now, not like you said, not every victim is in the gay world, but there is a strong current of that. And I do believe these are a majority of our, you know, homosexual lust type crimes. But, um, you know, some of the victims are definitely not even are, are like there was a guy, Arvin Sherman, D.C. His brother said he walked into the wrong place at the wrong time, disappeared and was found upriver from where he was last seen the south part of the uh, dc area so and, it, and he was at a bar that the half of the bar was a bdsm club so mm -hmm. um you know i do some people are in the wrong place at the wrong time or they're 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 sussed out one of the interesting aspects of the victims also is that nobody is really the daughter or son of somebody famous or powerful they're almost all either working or middle class victims which gives uh, an aspect of them that are, 
or two at that, the victims have been sussed out or they've been sifted, you know, that, uh, that environment there. Look, the, per, the, the criminals, I believe, who are responsible for this, which involves individuals and groups, um, do a pro, do a, you know, uh, kind of a process of trying to ascertain their victims. Well, this is something where the internet would, would facilitate with Facebook okay. and all the data and data information's out there that people actually provide themselves on Facebook. Correct. And, Absolutely. Or <laughs> Grindr, things. you know, Social I don't know. Media, yeah. Correct. So yeah. I think that, you know, if somebody's at, there was one uh, guy who told his story of some man walked up at, at, to him at a bar, started to ask him questions, what he did, where he was, offered to buy him a drink, you know, said he had friends, you know, do you want to go do something, you know, go hang out. And it gave him the creeps with all the questioning and all that stuff like that. And for me, it fit the profile of what some of these, what I believe the perpetrators of these crimes are up to. And, you know, there was a recent case in Toronto of a gay serial killer. His name was uh, McAndrew or McAdams. I don't know if you read about that, but there were all of these people who were disappeared out of the kind of gay community in Toronto. One of the core common features of these disappearances is that there are a missing persons, you know, poster of these people. There's so many missing persons posters of all these. And it was the same thing in Toronto with this kind of serial killer who they caught. But the reason when they arrested him, the reason for the arrest and when they arrested him is that he had a victim tied up in his apartment who was tied up on a bed. And so the police felt like they had to go in to rescue this person, the, the guy, and make an arrest. And he, his body disposal, I mean, he was a landscaper, so these bodies were showing up all over. <laughs> these bodies were showing up all, all over the place. So um, that, for me, was like another, okay, this is, the, this is the similar type of what I believe a perpetrator. So I do believe there's some serial killers out there who are engaging in this type of, these types of murders. And uh, moving from place to place, you know, so that they're not necessarily hunting in the same area. It was interesting about Joe the Butte is when he went missing, Columbus was very busy because it was the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic, and which drew, I believe, something over 10,000 people for a bodybuilding conference. So people flew into town, they're bodybuilders, and then Joe the Butte disappears. So I do believe that there's an aspect of these crimes that involves travel. And whenever there's a party or carnival atmosphere, that's uh, they can almost like ex exploit the fact that there's a crowd. And yes, that's an interesting point. So you have these. There was another case I was thinking about before our, our talk, a guy by the name of Trevor Bohm outside of Chicago, Chicago, Illinois. And when does he disappear? The day after uh, Obama gets elected. So it was November 5th, 2008. So there's these huge... Uh, parades in the street of Chicago celebrating the first American black president and who goes missing this kind of guy who's in the theater and he's found in, what lake is that up there? Lake Superior. Um, he's found in a lake, you know, much later, same type of thing where, you know, and disappears out of a crowd. So, um, he's found so in a lake. Yeah. Found in a lake. Absolutely. So I could include a Trevor Bohm in the B O E H M in the documentary. So, you know, and, and it's interesting you, you keyed in on that. So there's so many of these that have been at, at music venues or basketball games or things like that. Um, there was one Jimmy Slack out of Pittsburgh. He was at a music venue, disappeared. Police searched the river. 
he's found again in the river and the, the chief of police comes out and flat out says, I was shocked that he was found there because we ran our dogs right by there and found nothing, you know? So, um, and, yeah. And so and there's a similar, I guess, obviously in your title, you, you followed over, you know, across the, the ponds, so to speak to the UK right. where the, some, uh, there's cases. a lot of cases. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of cases, similar phenomenon in, in Manchester and Bristol, some in London. I include a possible proof or trader or somebody who fits the profile of a GHB drugger and murderer in a guy who lived outside of London, kind of East London. And, uh, you know, I know his details and all the things that he, I mean, uh, he was doing everything I think fits the profile of these cases. He was on three different mail pickup um, websites, including Grinder and some other ones I didn't know about under different names. He wore a wig and, uh, you know, he was G- he had tons of GHB in his house. He was constantly GHBing, and he had when he would kill his victims, he would try to figure out how to make it look like it wasn't a murder. So he had one, he had a fake suicide note. He went through these ornate kind of things. He was came to the police attention, and uh, it was it was interesting. I think the inquest just finished this year. I need to go back and look at it. But a lot of uh, police officers got in trouble for not. Uh, investigating the case so it goes back to that theme of police kind of cluelessness you know not really looking into these cases so i think a lot of people got censured in the in london for kind of bungling the case of this uh guy who i brought up but it uh it was interesting about his case because the people who cracked the case weren't actually the police it was the family members of one of the victims who he wanted the cct footage which the UK is supposedly famous for, right? Yes, yeah. So he went back and looked through the CCTV footage and said, who is this guy with my brother? And the police went, I don't know. And it turns out that guy with their brother, who ended up dead the next day, was the serial killer. You would think that'd be the first avenue they'd go down. You would think. So you see, so some of these, some of these murders and the, the, the police not looking into it can be assigned to police inactivity and kind of bungling, not really knowing... Not, and I think it goes back to not the initial view of these deaths is, is looking at them as accidental instead of intentional. Mm-hmm. I think that these deaths, I think it's a shame too because these men who've already died, this pattern wasn't recognized by the FBI or other people. And I, I will, I'll debate anybody at the FBI or Brown or anybody at any time on these cases because if you look at the facts, there's no way that they can walk away. The problem with a lot of these people who investigate them is that they're not, not t- looking at the overarching phenomenon of, of different jurisdictions and different, really different nations, you know? Yeah, I mean, in any given there's time. Jurisdictional yeah. thing, Tim, Tim, there's definitely, it's kind of like what was uh, the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. The reason they didn't catch him is that he would go from jurisdiction to jurisdiction knowingly, you know? So they didn't see the pattern. He was going from Northern California, Southern California moving around East Bay and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And it took him a while to key in on that there was a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And like I said, at any given time, you know, I guess uh, someone, someone could stumble out of a bar and fall in the water and drown. But uh, if you have you know, this pattern being, being uh, repeated over and over again, and, and, and is it like, is it, do you see it like in a region? There's like a, like there's a, it's, it occurs frequently in one region and it moves on and, and it becomes frequent in another region? Area. It seems like it. You know, there was a there was a case. His name was uh, Radel, outside of 
uh, he was he was a college kid. He was a wrestler, very, very strong. He was a wrestler outside of Wisconsin. And when he disappeared and died, his dad came out and said, there are kill teams moving from city to city. And my, my son was one of the victims. So his dad kind of keyed into the fact that people were moving from city to city in that area. There was groups trying to track down these victims. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought out the fact that people are stumbling out of bars because that's actually a common misconception. And I, I uh, dissipate that concept misconception in my documentary by showing so many of these guys are walking upright they're yeah. texting kelleher's walking upright dakota james there's a picture of him walking and texting so he can't be too drunk and his mom flat out said his her son was not a drinker he was not a drunk he would never drink himself to inebriation there was another guy out of boston garcia you know they, they this was another case that fit the profile of these types of uh what i believe to be murders they have a picture of him i mean this is what's public i don't even know what the police have but Garcia is walking upright by himself. He's not stumbling. He just looks like a normal guy walking home at 2 a.m. He disappears. They check the um, reservoir. They talk to his parents. The mom says, you know, I feel in my heart my son is still alive. Well, she was probably right. I include that twice in my documentary. So and then the body's found in an obvious place in the previously checked reservoir. And it's the same thing. Wilkins and all these guys. Wilkins out of Bristol walking upright, walking at a steady, solid pace. They have him on the camera. They're checking the river right by where he was. Where does he show up later? The same checked river. I mean, there's when you look at all these cases over and over where it's the same M.O., there's a pattern. Uh, uh, water. Uh, now, obviously, you throw a body in water. One objective is to get rid of it. Uh, but again, again, if you don't tie it down, it'll float, right? eventually come up. Um, but uh, I guess water, at least at a practical level, it, it gets rid of, rid of a lot of evidence. Correct. Is there something more to it than this? Just that? Though? Well, I mean, there's. I think that some of these cases there are is an occult aspect, and there's also kind of a torture aspect. I included some sequences from a film that was on Netflix called Kink, where they show flat out water torture, mm. somebody being drowned. So I think that there might be an element of that, but there also is some. Occult things that I think may be happening, and I included like one high-level occultist in my documentary, but there's, there is such a thing as water sacrifice. I'm not saying this. D'Souza flat-out said these people are being sacrificed in a different means than, you know, than what people would understand as like a bloodletting sacrifice, but they're being, their spirits are being dissipated in water. If you look at the West Memphis Three murders... Two of those kids were drowned. You know, they were thrown. They were bound and thrown into water. Mm. So, then uh, in my research, there's some pretty arcane stuff. I mean, I've researched some stuff about Crowley that gets very deep and very cold. That involves water, flat out bathtubs. You know, and there's been actually a there's been a correlation between a lot of celebrities dying in bathtubs, which are very strange kind of deaths. And I think it was Illuminati Watcher did a whole sequence about how. Some of these bathtub deaths may be sacrifices. So I, you know, it gets really weird. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't really investigate that farther, but um, yeah, there's there's something really strange going on about some of the cases for sure. Uh, now, uh, so there's an organized, uh, that's being organized. There's a group going, you know, from city to city, region to region to do these things. That, that's what the theory is. Um, in the past, some other famous serial killers, um, 
Well, one thing is a lot of the uh, the official narrative of these serial killers uh, don't seem to hold up over scrutiny. A good example is the the infamous Son of Sam killer. Right. Where it turns out he wasn't just one shooter. He, he says, David Brickert says it now, and that the evidence really uh, strongly suggested that there were, there were multiple people involved in that. And one of the, uh, what the evidence suggests is it was sort of a satanic cult that was also uh, producing snuff films. Right. And so is there any evidence here, perhaps, I mean, I, mean, well, I guess we can only, we can only, I guess we can theorize or engage in some sort of conjecture, but, um, you know, with the dark, with the advent of, of the internet and the, you know, the, you know, the dark web and these things, right. uh, it's, I guess it's a possibility that some of these things are, are, are is, uh, providing material for like sn these, uh, snuff, so-called snuff films. Right. Well, snuff films do exist. I mm -hmm. mean, they're, they're Manata out of Canada, that case. He mm -hmm. made a snuff film. Richard, I think it was Lake and Ng, these two crazies out of Northern California who would abduct people and take them to their lair up in the Sierra Nevadas and film snuff films and do unspeakable abduction and torture stuff. So those do exist, and I'm glad you brought that up because in my documentary I do include a so-called feigned kind of snuff film that was filmed uh, called Broken that was associated with an album by Trent Rasner. And the director has a very interesting background, but they basically fit it, that snuff film fit the, and that's kind of why I included it, that a sequence from that film in the the cover for my documentary, because the sequence of those, what they filmed, and these kind of murders fits for me, the carbon copy, which is they're out in a car, driving around, young man comes up that fits the profile of a lot of these, these people who've died. The sequence goes back to an underground area. There's a torture, and the body is drowned. Um, so it's just incredible. So I don't really know the to and it's in like this fetish environment. So I do, you know, there may be just super dark things involved that are really unspeakable associated with these cases. And there have been. I mean, I'm not trying to focus on, you know, what these are just my findings that they're homosexual. There have been heterosexual. There was a guy called like the the Love Box Killer out of Truth and Consequences, New Mexico. They don't know how many victims he had, but he had at least 16. And he had actually a group working for him in the same bar where they would drug women, take them back. He would take them back to like a, a portable dungeon and torture and kill them. I mean, and it was just, uh, it was like they had it down to uh, science, you know. And I forgot his name offhand, but it's the love, I think it was the love box killer. But so these do happen in a heterosexual you know, type of thing. There, I think there were cases. Uh, the another uh, podcast covered these uh, the Joey Labute death by the name of True Crime Garage, and some of their other perpetrators, true crime investigations, involved men who would abduct women and take them back to dungeons. Was there any suggestion that maybe there's uh, connections that maybe entities higher up and uh, you know, something like absolutely the, like the Dutro affair in Belgium, which is <sighs> absolutely yeah. I mean, I never really got into that. I, you know, it's just too, yeah. But the Dutro affair was him, I mean, obviously he was this guy who was an unemployed electrician who uh, inexplicably had been voted a pension from the from the parliament there, and he had been given, I think, uh, reportedly been given an unrestricted pre prescription for Rohypnol, which is the date wow, drug. Wow, I didn't know that. I yeah, know and that. he uh, also had, he had, I think he uh, had, a, like, many as half a dozen houses that he had uh, built dungeons in, and that's mm -hmm. where he was 
keeping his victims, and there is evidence, of course, uh, that he was actually uh, uh, getting victims. He was more or less hot paid to do these things, and he had connections to organized crime, and uh, there was a huge investigation that was stifled by the um, the king there. <laughs> right. And there was a huge and riot. all of these yeah. other elites, right? All these yeah. other elites. And there was a huge march that had like mm-hmm. two or 300,000 people for a small country like Belgium that they were going and throwing eggs. They knew there was a cover-up. Mm-hmm. There's a massive, and I think actually when he got arrested, Dutro got arrested, two of the girls that he had had abducted died in one of the dungeons because they didn't get, you know, food and water, if I remember correctly. So, yeah. and there were, yeah, they covered up the fact that Dutro was traveling to Germany and traveling around and, and, you know, involved in all kinds of nefarious. There was a guy, was it Nihul, who was like another super shady guy, N-I-H-O-U-L, who was part of the elite, and they were having eyes wide shut parties and all this crazy stuff. Yeah, he's the one that, was he the one that said that uh, you could never investigate what was going on because it would cause the government to collapse if yes, word got out? Yeah, and it, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, uh, so it involved, the, uh, yeah, these guys were networked. And I believe, you know, my conclusion in this documentary is that there is a network of people of these similar interests through the dark web, you know, that, that something's, somebody's communicating these things. Well, there I mean, was a re- what that, and what that case suggests that, yeah. that these networks have existed and therefore if they have existed, they didn't ever reason to believe given that there never was, wasn't a full investigation of Mark Dutro's crimes and who was connected to that that network does still exist. And many other networks may still exist. Uh, if again, if they have the benefit of, uh, police protection and political power, they can stifle any investigation, you know, uh, they can get judges removed, which happened to the Detroit Affair, who was actually, one judge was actually uh, apparently faithfully investigating it. And so there's no reason to believe that other networks do not exist. Obviously, we have other cases here in the United States. Uh, the Franklin right. scandal was another thing, investigation that was sort of, uh, well, it was, it was it was quashed because the, the child trafficking or human trafficking aspect of it wasn't really investigated it was more the financial with the um the right. franken uh, savings and loan or credit union right. which was shut down and 40 million dollars went missing or something and there's evidence because he had, uh, the larry king the one who ran that operation had connections to high up into the gop and right and he was uh, he's saying it yeah. i think he's saying at the george bush's inauguration right he's saying the Either that or the RNC convention. Star Spangled Banner or yeah. something, yeah. yeah. Sorry. But it was interesting. When I lived in Northern Virginia, Larry King ended up in Northern Virginia selling cars, and people knew he was around there. Mm-hmm. And so why did he go from, you know, to Nebraska in the Midwest to D.C.? Yes. That's a question you have and to ask. After being released after a few years. Right, and Jerry Spence and all these other guys filming, trafficking. No, Craig Spence, not Jerry Spence. Craig Spence, sorry. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I apologize. Yeah. I hope I don't get a call from him. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I, that was a mis, misstatement. But yeah, so... Craig Spence another person who died in a hotel room, yeah. Right, yeah. hotel. So we can talk about hotel deaths, too. Like, uh, questionable. <laughs> we can get to that, but yeah. So well, there but, is... But, but what's interesting about the, the Franklin case is that there is evidence of why it wasn't investigated. Well, because uh, one thing, one person was implemented was the uh, Omaha police chief, who apparently impregnated right. Alicia Owens. And, right. Wasn't uh, it Wagner or something? I forgot his name. Wadman, I think, well, I'm in good memory. Yes, yeah. that's right. And uh, yeah, so it goes up to the elites, and I believe that there's an aspect of these crimes that you're call. You know, I think we talked about this in the pre-show. Is that if you call them accidental, there's no investigation; everything's covered up. So mm-hmm. if you have people like Vince Foster, suicide, no investigation. Seth Rich, robbery gone wrong, no investigation. So I do believe 
that there's some corruption, definitely corruption involved in all of these uh, young men dying. Well, even that, investigators give the uh, the death of Gary Caradori, who was the, the chief investigator, was hired by the Omar, Omaha legislature to investigate this, and his plane disintegrated in midair along with his son in 1990. After right. he, after he was on the phone claiming he had the photographs, the goods, he had um, the goods in a briefcase, right? Yeah, yeah, and then, of course the briefcase Never was found. missing. And this, right. I, I think, this was a uh, then uh, uh, they brought in uh, uh, former CIA director William Colby to help investigate that part of it. And um, it was, uh, I think, because he was uh, a friend of John DeCamp, who they, right. they they went, I think they went back to Vietnam days. But um, I don't know what Phoenix, that means. Phoenix program. Yeah, the Phoenix how, program. How did Colby die? Remind me. How did Colby die? He drowned. <laughs> he drowned, right. He ended up in a, in a lake, in a river, and they couldn't find his body for a while. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And then it, it suddenly showed up. Yeah. So you see these, yeah, it sounds very similar. And he was it one was that so- told, uh, I think, the camp, and the, the camp claims that they were talking about this late at night one night in their kitchen, and he goes, um... What you have to understand, John, is that sometimes there are forces and events too big, too powerful, with so much at stake for other people or institutions that you cannot do anything about them. No matter how evil or wrong they are, no matter how dedicated or sincere you are, or how much evidence you have, there is simply no, there is simply one of, this, this, I'm sorry, this is simply one of the hard facts of life you have to face. That fits the smiley face killer death perfectly. So. You know, and, you know, something like, because uh, you know, even then, even if you uh, start investigating, you know, uh, human trafficking, child sex trafficking, these things, and exposes all these political figures. And, of course, this is a, a practical way that uh, that uh, a political system is controlled. It's what's called a brownstone operation or something where you compromise officials sexually right. and you can control them. Or you can also just bribe them and these things. How you, can, you, yeah. know, you get, you know. Um, but, um, it's like the Godfather territory, right? They got that one yeah, senator, senator from Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> and Next they, thing yeah. you know, he's in these these meetings, just telling how great the Corleones are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Credit exactly. him, you know. So yeah, you get caught with it. Not a, outside of the realm of possibility at all. And so, at and all. it's just the way it's done. Um, and it goes to the grand jury. There's no real investigation in these things because the grand juries are all controlled, and this is what happened. And, and, and the accusers then are then charged with perjury, and they go to jail. Right, so that's what happened in Franklin, right? The yeah. kids, some of them ended up dead, some went to jail, mm-hmm. powerless. They don't have the potency to take on these entrenched systems. Look at Pizzagate, never properly investigated. No, probably, apparently it was debunked. All <laughs> oh, right, so if it's debunked, it's out. If John, I don't Harris know how it was debunked, debunked but because yeah, that's good enough for me. <laughs> well, right? they say there's never any evidence or proof, but there's no ever official investigation. All you have is a bunch of degenerates with their Instagram accounts and. Posting these things, and well, I think one, I think one investigator, Titus Frost, said that there was child porn on their server. So, and I think that he said that that was sent to the FBI, and they just didn't do anything. So, no. well, that's like the Finders case, right? The Finders case, and that, and that has so, ties back to the military. Hey, man, there might be something that whole pizza place is total, like just like you said, it's a real brownstone operation. There were supposedly like back rooms. You well, that's the in. problem. People don't understand. They're not any all familiar with this. Uh, how these things operate is, you know, is that this is how it's done. You have these front businesses, and this guy James Elefantis owns a few restaurants and properties. He's that one what, among the most fifty, what among the fifty most influential people. Right, in but he, he ordered proper. He owned property in Germany as well, so yeah. he had something going on globally. Yeah, you know they never keyed into that. And he's also presenting himself. He's a restaurant owner who I would think would would have some concern about his public you know, how he's perceived in the public. 
and he's posting himself as a clear degenerate on these things, right? I mean, oh, off the charts, right? And he had what? What was it? Uh, and what was the guy's name of the his his Antonius or something? Yeah, Antonius like Ant- 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 or Antonius. Yeah. So I mean, real deep, heavy duty pedophilia. The boy lover of Roman emperor. Boy, yeah. the ideal boy love, right? And who who the was children. drowned, right? <laughs> drowned in the Nile, correct. Yeah. So you, you know, there's this theme of this drowning. Hadrian, goes, Hadrian was the emperor, I think. Was the Hadrian emperor. right? Yeah. Uh, but then you have this. Then everyone comes. Well, this isn't proof. No, it isn't proof, but it's certainly strange. And certainly uh, strange. Yeah. You know. Strange. Then you have it's all you know, homoerotic stuff, and they call it like all age friendly. And <laughs> right. right. Oh, super. Crazy. Maybe in postmodern America, just adults aren't as moral discerning as they used to be. But well, maybe. But you know, the yeah. comet is a relationship that burns bright, and then and then ping pong. Is a common theme in all these pedophilia. If you ever watch, yeah. uh, if you ever watch um, Lolita by Kubrick, there's a ping pong sequence. Humbert, Humbert, and somebody else are playing ping pong, and then his buddy uh, Arthur C. Clarke. What does he do when he moves to Ceylon, now Sri Lanka? He opens up a ping pong parlor where the kids are there, and that's, I mean, that's where you get. And yeah. that whole sequence was covered up of Clarke. And there's actually elements of Ku. I mean. Uh, Crazy Days and Nights wrote something about Kubrick that'll peel the skin off your face about how deviant he was. Yeah. Um, so these two guys together, and then you can get into Kubrick and who was that? Hunter, Hunter Thompson was another one who. Oh yeah. So yeah, these they're these. It's beyond degeneracy. It's something. Really well, I mean, popular. I don't know if it's kind of like I wonder if it's the, the sort of this uh, pedophilia or uh, pedophilia or pederasty, the scandals. <clears throat> I mean, we had Denny Haster to. Right, who was uh, well, wasn't convicted for it, but it's, he's been exposed, you know, as as a pederast. Uh, well, he and, got in trouble. The real the reason he got in trouble was not for the crime of pederasty; it was that the payoff, right? Yeah, he the structured payments, which triggered the yes. investigation, and something yes. happened where he, you know he apparently was no longer useful or something. Um, but um, you the had Speaker of the House, Speaker of the House, and it wasn't. And there were e- there were emails between Podesta and him after his conviction, right? Yeah. So they're still sending emails to each other, chummy, buddy, buddy. Speaker of the House, uh, and, and I, like I said, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I, uh, he became Speaker of the House not despite of these things, but because of these things. That's how the system works. Uh, you had Edward, he- was it Heath in Great Britain who's been exposed, and he was the Prime Minister, right. and he's he was preying on people for the better part of thirty years. You you have a, a investigation and stories and accusations that date as early as nineteen sixty one, all the way into the early nineties. Look at Savile; he operated for decades. And he was good friends with Jimmy Savile, yeah. Right, carte blanche into the uh, into the palace, um, and there was actually stories that he was a procurer as well, mm-hmm. kind of like Dutro. There was a. Do you ever hear the story about the kid who like ran away from home? And was uh, he was in London at the train station, and some guy like talked him into coming back to his apartment. He goes back to his apartment. Who shows up? Jimmy Savile. Oh yeah, I heard about that story. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. So you ever you ever know that you ever see the the sequence of Dennis Rodman? He was in a like uh, Big Brother show in the UK with none other than Jimmy Savile. Do you ever see those two together? No. If you get a chance, look that up on YouTube. It, yeah. It's incredible. Because Savile starts saying to Dennis Rodman, I'm a totally free person. He starts uh, reciting Crowley dictums, you know, after all described. Like, I'm above these things. I'm totally free. It's incredible. Dennis Rodman is like uh, Zelig or something because he was pals with 
the North, uh, what's the North Korean guy? Yeah, he was yeah. He went to North Korea. <laughs> no, if you ever see that video, rip it and save it. The, the Dennis Rodman, Jimmy Savile conversations incredible. Um, but the um, well, it's kind of fun because I've done a sh- shows. You know, some of these uh, events in the past regarding serial killers, mass murderers. Um, I did a show recently about the on the on the uh, the Zodiac killer. And oh, how the Zodiac Killer, uh, well, at least yeah. the evidence suggests, never really existed. Uh, Interesting. It was, yeah, I've it heard was that. a literary creation. And you've looked at the evidence, it, it pretty much supports it. There's never, the, 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 there's nothing really other than a few letters written to this news, this, you know, uh, sensationalist newspaper and uh, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, a well, a less than ethical police officer and some reporters. The evidence just doesn't, doesn't seem to support it. Yet, nevertheless, we have this you know myth of the Zodiac Killer, so this mythical character, which a lot of people believe existed. And uh, you know, you have the book written in the Zodiac Killer and these things. Apparently, the first printing, the movie, yeah, the first printing uh, didn't come out in the early '80s because the publisher withdrew it because of factual problems. Interesting. And in that book, the uh, what's his name again? The uh, Gray. What was his name? Graysmith. Graysmith. Uh, Sounds he, right. He changed his name uh, to Graysmith to, uh, later on. But um, the first book, and he named a different person as a Zodiac killer. And the second book that eventually was published, he names this guy what was it, uh, Arthur Lee Allen, I think is the name. Um, hmm. And these stuff. But apparently, a lot of the things you saw in the movie just simply don't pan out. But the bottom line is, what you had there was. Going on in that in the uh, in the valley there in California was a lot of p- corrupt police departments and you had this sort of a a weird um, sex cult operating there that was got in control of local government down there. Interesting. Uh, and some of the murders were like uh, the uh, the the uh, the stabbing at uh, at the lake uh, at the lake. Like Barry yeah. Bar- uh, turns out that the likely most likely suspect was the uh, park ranger who was the brother of the deputy who showed up at the first scene at the scene. Oh, wow. And so, but anyway, the whole point is that there's a, sort of, this is sort of a literary creation. Same thing with sort of the myth of the Manson case, where a certain, uh, you of course you have the the, uh, the official story, of, you know, proffered by Brugliosi, but then you have this whole idea with the science, with the Church of Scientology, and these process, things. Yeah. You process church and these things. It turns out perhaps that you know a lot of these things. Uh, it turns out it might have been largely just a kind of a drug burn gone wrong. And, you know, right. And well, it, 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 that's the kind it, of the new view, but I mean, there yeah. definitely were connections. I mean, the, yeah. oh, there's Bobby yeah, there's Kinnick, was in the Kenneth Anger's invocation yeah. of my demon brother. I mean, he's right there in this whole thing. All, where they're all, flashing. All, all, all that's going on, but at the same time, you really don't get a real true investigation of what's going on there because what happens to really investigate what went on there at Cielo Drive would expose all the corruption and well, sliminess of Hollywood. So, so they kind of shut it down and created. The, they kind of pinned it all in Manson, who wasn't there for the murders, right? <laughs> you know, um, you know. So these things, and apparently, yeah. So they, they they spun this narrative to kind of to make to create a narrative that was uh, more acceptable for, you know, for the uh, uh, for the cal, you know, for the Hollywood establishment. Apparently, Hollywood establishment and the public, right? So yeah, yeah you, I agree with you, hundred percent. Yeah, apparently, the weapon that was used was a weapon that one that was once owned by Ronald Reagan. Then the sitting governor. I didn't know that. At <laughs> the very least, it's interesting. And there's, all, and there's also like evidence of like police corruption. That's not caring in these things. You know, 
they tried to sell like uh, porn tapes that were seized. That the some off police were caught. Yes, I remember that. All yeah. that. So there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't. Well, think... I mean, the the rumor was Polanski was heavily involved in a lot of that stuff, filming and things yeah. like that. So that was all covered up and seized, and they're supposedly underground videos of that yeah. stuff. Then you have the stories of what was it? It was uh, the year before. Uh, I think Robert Kennedy had dinner with Roman Polanski, Sharon Tate, and Bruckheimer, or what's his uh, name? Not Bruckheimer, the, no, the, uh, Frankenheimer. Frankenheimer, thank you, yes. And Frankenheimer reportedly is one that dropped him off, off at the Abbas Hotel the, the fateful evening that he, you know, he was assassinated. Incredible. Of course, Frankenheimer's director of the Manchurian Candidate and Seven Days in May. Of course, the Manchurian Candidate is this idea of, you know, this, uh, mind controlled assassin. You know, some people think that's what, you know, Sir Hanser Hand. Sir Hand was well, mind controlled Patsy. wasn't the actual Patsy, assassin. Right. It wasn't the actual. Didn't it was Thane Eugene Caesar? Yeah. Supposedly. So yeah. that's the well, point is that that certain well, you can create certain. I uh, well, you also have Dave McGowan's theory of the serial killer is sort of a right. programmed uh, program killer or uh, a something that's uh, uh, an example of um, of the Phoenix operation applied domestically. Because you right. had the phenomenon of the serial killer in the 1970s just when Vietnam was winding down. And um, what you can do, what his theory was that, well, one thing is these people could be assassins. They can haystack things. They can kill one person and kill ten people. And, or you also have the sort of the chemical social engineering that's going on is where right. you, you you present the theory of the serial killer to atomize society to uh, so, you know, so communities traumatize people. Traumatize society. And this is kind of what... Um, what Michael Hoffman gets into in his secret societies sure. and psychological warfare, where it's sort of this, you know, the, the whole blooding of the 60s with the assassinations, the Vietnam War itself was a sort of a societal trauma blooding of mass blooding of society. But also this sort of what was going on in, on state side with the Vietnam War, uh, yeah. its effects on society. And this whole idea of the circular itself is sort of this um, bloodening of society where, you, uh, you know, you... With, with the trauma, with the trauma, you don't get the society. You know, communities don't hear. You get uh, you know, right. the same thing happened with the. Um, you could shoot ahead. You know, today with the uh, meme of the or the idea of the school shooter, right? The mass point, shooter, yes. where this yeah. becomes a pretext to subject you know, for certain security operations in schools where they have drills which traumatize right. the students. You know, they, oh. they these things. So now kids are used to being you know huddling under the stair, huddling under desk, right. or being being hustled out by cops and these things and you know right. for something uh statistically speaking it's just simply isn't likely that they're going to experience they're more Good much point. more likely to get killed you know in their in the on the car ride home when their parents pick them up or on the bus right. ride good point well look at 9 11 look at that yeah. traumatized you know trauma and then suggestion you you can yeah. move society a different way I, I interviewed a guy who said that sirhan sirhan was uh hypnotized by manly p hall did you ever hear that Never heard that. I heard you. Yeah, so that's interesting. So there's a connection there with this high Masonic 33rd degree figure. Mm-hmm. Um, I just heard recently heard that Kubrick himself was a 33rd degree Mason. I oh. didn't know that either. So, and, and at the same token, you also you can also again you can deny the fact that there's a, a serial killer killers out there by writing write, writing it off, you know, as accidents or, right. or you know or um, disparate events not being connected. Right. Um, right, that's true. Do you ever see the movie Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? Uh, no. It's really an amazing. It's too graphic. It's unbelievable. But the serial killer in there says, "You got to mix it up. You can't do the same pattern every time." 
So every time you do uh, murder somebody, you have to mix it up with a car crash, stabbing, yeah. shooting. So he was, I mean, in that, I mean, even though it's fictional, he's conscious enough to know that he doesn't want to leave a trace to, you know, leave a pattern. Or yeah. And you have with the claim of Henry Lee Lucas, who claimed that he was sort of this uh, CIA-linked assassin. Right. And of course, Black Hand wasn't it called? Yeah, the like Black Hand. He claims his ran- of course his ranches did did turn up eventually. By the way, with his body. Interesting. Um, well, it's interesting you bring that up because in that part of Texas, going south into Mexico, Matamoros was not an outlier. There were multiple like bloody serial killer mm-hmm. ranches that went down there where they had cult leaders and murders and sex cults. That goes back to that area, and that's probably why they think why. Jesus Adolfo Constanza chose that area because he was actually a Cuban who lived in Miami who moved to uh, Mexico City and you know brought his tarot cards and all his black magic, Paulo Mayombe, and said, oh, we got to go up here. This is where we should be next yeah. because that's where all that crazy stuff was happening. You know? and, this, and, and at least from a standpoint of, well, geopolitical uh, 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 interest here or, or strategy here could be that, um, well, Intelligence agencies may use these groups, satanic groups, these cults, uh, kind of at an arm's length to carry out operations, uh, uh, maintain plausible deniability. Uh, a good example would be the links between you know, Jonestown and the CIA that have been uncovered since right. then. And, of course, this also connects to the uh, the murder of George Moscone and Harvey Milk. Harvey Milk perhaps right. being collateral damage in that, but it was... Uh, George Moscone, who was tied to Jim Jones, and it was, those murders only I think That's occurred a month after the Jonestown was shut down. Interesting. Uh, so, but he had, for the longest time, had connections to, uh, uh, well, people linked to the CIA, you know, like Dan Mitrioni. Mitrioni, right? Well, there was another CIA guy at Jonestown that I think there's on tape that Jones says, "Got get him out of here." Or yeah. yeah, yeah, something. And Dan Mitrioni, what what was he doing down in Paraguay? Torturing people. But he was kidnapping people, right? To, oh, was that? I don't know the full story. He yeah, would kidnap something. people off the street, then these would be test subjects for the uh, police to to be tortured. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, now, now, what terrible. does that sound like? Sounds like these killings. Yeah. Okay, my point being that the, 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 these can be, you know, who does it, whether it's snuff films or it's, right. you know. Uh, you know, and maybe at, right now they don't want to talk about serial kills. They don't want maybe that's not what their objective is. When in the seventies, eighties, maybe it was to promote the the meme of the serial killer. Um, yeah. But am I saying when you when you when you <laughs> when you when you look at Operation like it's just what Dave McGowan wrote in his book. He says, well, what they were doing in Phoenix, part of Phoenix was part of the counterinsurgency program, part of these this uh, pacification of the right. Vietnamese countryside, what it really meant was going in in these villages because in that environment, you didn't know who was the enemy. Was, right. You know, right. so you'd go in and, of course, when, you're, when, they, when they talked about destroying the what they called the civilian infrastructure, the Viet Cong, that meant going after the Vietnamese peasants who lived there. Peasants, right, who were supplying them with food, right? Yeah, and so they'd go in a, in a village and by, they would massacre, you know, the women and children that were there. So when the husbands came back, they'd find him dead and come in these gr- in these gruesome settings. So that sounds like something out of a serial killer movie. Well, it's interesting you bring that up and, and liken that because we can bring it full circle back to Alan Moore's The Watchman because the comedian who has the smiley face on his lapel or lapel and on his gun carried out his crimes in Vietnam. And there's just a kind of uh, line from him that sums it all up. He said he enjoyed the killing and he just didn't care. 
And the picture of him in the Watchmen is just this guy smiling as he's just butchering people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. you, yeah, you can't you can't subject people, train people to that level of violence and killing, and expect them just to turn it off when they come home. At the same time, it can also be weaponized. All right. Well, look at uh, look at Ramirez. He, I think that he, when he he had an uncle who came back from Vietnam and told him all of these harrowing stories about. I think the uncle actually had pictures of like gruesome tortures and murders. You ever hear that part of the story? Yes. Of Ramirez. Yeah, so and that was how he became inured to that, is he had actually seen this crazy uncle came back damaged from Vietnam. And those stories of brutality were very common. Those, unfortunately, the kind of horrors that the American troops inflicted upon Vietnamese peasants were just off the charts. Mm-hmm. You know, just, I mean, I, know, I knew people who were from Vietnam and... Shawcross was another one who was. Shawcross, you're right. Yeah, he said he joined the army because he wanted to be wanted to kill people, have to be legal. You know, not get in trouble for it. And so when you wage war, and these things, and and you, uh, this is all part of that. Not only do you subject society to trauma, and you put PSTD in these things, or the people coming back, but also uh, you sort of, like I said, you bloody society, and not that also goes with sort of the. um, well, the permissive sixties and seventies right. with the sexual revolution, where you get this, um, well, constant <clears throat> titillation. These things. So now you get a sexual angle right. mixed in with violence. So now you're really creating a, a witch's brew, so to speak. Right. That's interesting you bring that. There's a, you know, in my film I include Peter Christofferson. He was and made videos and stuff. But in the the video for and song for the New World Order, there is Dennis Hopper saying, it's all right, it's all right. The sequence where the boat finally gets all the way up the river to uh, to meet Kurtz, mm-hmm. and there's just bodies hanging everywhere, bloody heads and stuff. And here's Hopper saying, it's all right, it's all right. And then the song, The New World Order, and the video fits in with that. You know, it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's your theme, violence, brutality. Yeah. It's okay, it's a comedy, it's a joke. Laugh at it. It ties into Cruelly's ideas. You yes, know, The universe yeah. is a big joke. So yeah, it's uh, so there. There is that theme within, I believe, these these smiley face killing murders. What's known is that. Yeah, and so if you have that certain outlook or moral or lack of or immoral, immoral you destroyed it. Yeah. yeah, and I guess you could. Yeah, this is all part of that inversion that you see with um, Crowleyan, you know, yes. philosophy. Yeah, and he said you can do these uh, in a society which is. Well, uh, uh, as debased as ours, uh, well, you have people who are just much more easily victimized by these things. One thing is that you know, well, I, you know, if you go into a, to a BDS bar, <laughs> right? You know, you're going to be much more vulnerable in many respects to these things than say if you're, absolutely in that whole dynamic. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's terrifying. And it's the same thing with society in general, because again, as we uh, well, I mean, if if you uh, if you unleash these forces, in, you know, the sexual revolution, and you uh, break apart families and communities, and everyone is atomized, they're much more easily, much more, they're they're easier victims of these. It's almost like you know, uh, easier no perpetrators, easier you know. perpetrators as well, right? Because if they're atomized, the other person does, just doesn't matter. It's a Darwinian struggle. Yeah, who cares? It's a big joke. I don't care if I destroyed their family. The, the the families of these victims are destroyed. Mm-hmm. So, 
You know, so you have to have somebody who doesn't care to perpetrate these. But but with these kill again again with these killings, so you have this pattern, and there's reasons why you know police you know they obviously if you're in a homicide department you want to close cases and you don't want to right. have, you stack up, so you have that interest. But you know, looking at some of these other cases like you know, the, the the Franklin case, uh, the Franklin case, uh, you had you know what the attorney general was was warned about Larry King for years, didn't do anything. The police, did, you know, you know, the police chief himself wasn't implicated, and um, uh, you know, it, it seems to suggest that perhaps that uh, yeah, at a certain level, these uh, perhaps certain officials within the law enforcement agencies are running cover. The Johnny Gosh case, remember the police chief right. immediately yes. declared he was a runaway despite witnesses of him being followed and abducted, right? Followed and abducted. It fits the pattern of these yeah. SFK cases, possibly tied up, kept. Yeah, I mean. There are, in some of these cities, there's really problematic statements by the chief of police, particularly in Boston, who came out and flat out said, there's no pattern here. These are all accidental drownings. He flat out said that on the record, and it doesn't corroborate the Kelleher case, the Hurley case, the Zach Marr case, all these cases. The facts of the case do not fit the pattern. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm. so uh, where... When you're watching this, uh, where people get, get the, I know, I, you're having it on Vimeo. Vimeo right? It's on Vimeo. They, yeah. I just decided to put it out. You can actually, I put out, uh, the best way to watch it really is online. It's formatted to watch online. You can rent it for, I believe, a week for $5 or buy it for 12 So I think it's reasonably priced. It's very long. It's probably overly long, but I really wanted to get in and prove my point. I haven't really, I only really had one person who, who came back and said, I don't get it. But I think he was just trying to antagonize me. Yeah. But I think that um, I lay out the case after case after case after case to show that there's a pattern of men lay out late at night, disappeared, searched for in places that they're later found in water dead. So I do believe that it is a current danger. I do believe that there's an underground of individuals and groups perpetrating these crimes. And I do believe that the authorities uh, have failed and will continue to ignore this problem. So I would warn your fam family, friends. It can actually happen to people who aren't college age. It's just really that's where the mean was and the general victims. It can happen to you if you're 30. Uh, there is a pattern of people, men and women, being drugged. And uh, you have to really be careful. And again, cite previous cases, uh, uh, documented cases like the Mark Dutro affair. If you're not familiar with that, read about it. It's really <laughs> eye opening. And also, the uh, the finders case the uh, the Franklin's cover up and just more recently even with uh, um, you know with uh, the Lolita Express and these things you know with um, right with uh, with uh, Epstein right traveling going yeah. to going to a different country perpetrate people are coming in by boat flights and then the victims are tra uh, trafficked in you know mm -hmm. so you don't really you know people didn't see anything it's kind of like yachting you know. There's all kinds of crimes that go out on boats too, but nobody ever sees that as well. So. Well, like airplanes, or if you have a private jet, or yacht, and these things, and that's uh, apparently that's that's where what was it? I heard that where Lord Mountbatten used to. No, what was that? Well, he was apparently a pederast, and oh, so he did on the boats. I think Heath was too as well. That was his thing. Yeah, to go out on a boat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so it's just something to be aware of. So um, now you want also want you, you want this recent case with with Khashoggi? You had an interesting take on this. Oh well, I just I yeah I just uh, thought that there's a pattern here with these kind of like groups of kill teams. That's kind of the modern way. Mm -hmm. And I think that Khashoggi and Meng Hongwei, who was the uh, head of Interpol, went back to China 
and his wife is getting calls about, you know, hit teams and assassins. So I think that it's instructive to see how um, even prominent people, well-known journalists, well-known commentators are vulnerable in certain in, in, uh, environments. So I would, and it brings, I think those cases bring into question, you know, some of these other so-called uh, suicides or accidents as well, mm-hmm. such as uh, Bourdain. So I would definitely have uh, uh, people to keep an eye on the Khashoggi case and how the story changed and also Meng Hawei and how, how the, the, and this is another example. They traveled. It was a multi, you know, national uh, hit team that came from Saudi Arabia and went to Turkey to carry it out and then left. And the Turkish, you know, uh, intelligence had pictures of people who were associated with Ben Salman, you know, so. Yeah, but the crown prince who kind of runs the show there now. Yeah, young, 32, you know. And uh, apparently Khashoggi was another faction. And, Correct. Uh, and I guess he went through. I think he was seeking a divorce because his fiance. He wanted to get his paperwork finished. Yes, correct. But the thing is, is that what had happened is he had been to the consulate about four days earlier, and he said, "I want my papers." And they said, "We'll come back in four days." And that's when the wheels, you know, started going into place too. Yeah, they had that black uh, van on the uh, on the uh, uh, surveillance camera, black van there Correct. waiting. Yeah, everything. So, well, then they had the people coming into the airport. They had a, you know, a guy who was, who was a freaking like surgeon, somebody with very much skill at, uh, yeah, very, very nasty stuff. So I, I do think that uh, it's instructive, and I, I would recommend people uh, looking, look into, look and keep an eye on those cases because I do. Well, I mean, you have so many, uh, like I said, there's the private intelligence networks like Black Cube, uh, or whether it's you know whether Blackwater or now was it. I forget what it's called now, but, um, um, I mean, you have journal, I mean, there's so many people, uh, so many organizations that that can carry these things out now. They're kind of off the books. I think that it's another element of public awareness that these teams do exist. They're sophisticated. They've learned from the past and, uh, you know. Uh, I think that, yeah, it's, it's pretty brazen for the Ben Salman to try to pull that off. But, you know, some of these other ones, I don't, I think, actually, I think they, they chose, I mean, I don't know, it was very brutal, but, you know, here in the States, they're just successful at suiciding people, which, you know, ends the case, you know. I mean, Michael Hastings. All right. Michael Hastings. It's still, that's still relevant because Brennan's over there. I mean, Michael Hastings was supposedly inter, uh, investigating Brennan, right? Yeah. So Brennan's calling Trump a traitor and all this very intense information. I wonder why. It makes you wonder. wonder what documents has Trump seen? Yeah, and uh, apparently he apparently had a substance abuse problem, so his car blew up. <laughs> right. Well, the, 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 no, the, the, the engine block mysteri- uh, amazingly uh, disassociated and reassociated past the palm tree, right? Yeah. So the, the reality, the engine block came out of the car before it came to rest at the palm tree, so... Um, that's, that, that's incredible. You'd never see a car, another car crash where that happens, probably. Well, you, well, it's not really a car crash. Anyway. You piss off someone like Stanley McChrystal, you better be careful. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I mean, what's his specialty, right? Holy smokes. Yeah, that's what they, that's the kind of their claim to fame is the, uh, these lethal arts and these techniques of taking people out and except, you know, we talked, I was turning off call how, you know, I was, you know, and just now believe that Thomas Merton, the, you know, the guy who wrote Seven Story Mountain was, was murdered, was pushed down a flight of stairs because his opposition to the Vietnam War. 
you know, he could have maybe led an anti-war movement that was more sensible than the Berrigan brothers. But this is kind of how these you know, these important figures are taken out because they, they can. Well, be look stuff. at so so Merton has to be put in the in the same vein as Martin Luther King. He really mm-hmm. once he spoke out against Vietnam, it was over, right? Yeah, pretty much. He that seems to be what got him taken out because other than that, he was kind of like serving the interest of the powers that be until he seemed to be doing that. So I don't know how to. Right. Uh, you know, they had a quick replacement for him too, and Jack. Jackson, right? Yeah, he was. Chris. I mean, they, they had somebody just to come right in. I yeah. saw him, Jackson, at uh, death of Aretha Franklin. I mean, that was just an incredible. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to insult. I mean, if that's black leadership, man, holy smokes! Well, yeah, that's was it Jackson, Farrakhan, and uh, mm-hmm. Tawana Brawley's. What was the guy's name? Oh my God! Oh, oh, you're talking about Reverend um, Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton, Al Tawana Brawley Sharpton. I mean, who's, holy. Who's, Who's an FBI informant, by the way, Al Sharpton. Right, he was a flat-out FBI informant. I mean, <laughs> Aretha Franklin's probably rolling in her grave. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, well, the Civil Rights Movement was co-opted you know, long ago. So, yeah. Okay, anything yeah. else? No, man, I think i got to run. I appreciate you having me back on your show. It's great to talk to you again. Okay, well, listen, thank you. Thanks, it's William Ramsey. Uh, you can uh, catch him uh, at William Ram- Ramsey Investigates. Um, his books are... Children of the Beast, Aleister Crowley's Shadow Over Humanity, Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9-11 and the New World Order, and Abomination, Devil Worship and Deception, the West Memphis Three Murders. Um, you can, of course, catch his uh, uh, documentary, The Smiley Face Killers. And the Smiley Face Killers documentary. Yeah. Uh, At Vimeo. On Vimeo. Yeah. Rent it or buy it. So, okay. Great. Well, thank you, William. Take it easy, and I'll let you go. When I post this, I'll send you the link. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. Good night, then. Good night. Bye-bye.